excited about it. I'll start. You want to start it? Yeah, but then I'm going to let you introduce her because <sighs> it's only right. Okay. Okay, be more excited this time. Last time it wasn't as exciting. Okay. <laughs> Got it. In a good way. Okay. Just be, yeah, yeah. Like my normal self? Yeah, your normal self. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Right Life Podcast. We're so excited to be in studio today. And we're not just in our regular studio. We just built out another one because we thought that one wasn't good enough. (laughs) So it's getting more awesome by the day. More awesome. Yeah. So there is like a lot of exciting stuff going on right now. New studio. We have everything being video recorded. And we have a first, not just any Zoom guest, but we have a guest on Zoom who is not, no other than, and now you have to introduce her because it's only right that you introduce yes, her. Yes, no other than my Me. sister, Karina May. How Woo-hoo! are you, Karina? Yay! Yay! <laughs> I love this. I'm so excited to be here, you guys. Oh, we're so excited that you're, you get to be on this podcast with us. This is going to be awesome. Uh, we wish you were it's here in person, but it's pretty darn awesome that we get to do this via Zoom. Thank you. <laughs> I know. In person would always be the best, but we'll work with what we got now. So. Well, when, when you come back up to Alabama, we'll do it in person. We'll do another one. Well, actually, two. I think we should go where she is and record there because that would be way more fun. Oh, uh, that that's that's. Uh, that's an idea. That's, that's a good a idea, idea because everybody needs to know where you're living. So how about you give us a small background of just what you're doing now? Because your life right now is pretty cool. Pretty awesome. Pretty <laughs> awesome. I know I know McQueen over here, she talks about it all the time. You're living your best life slash her dream life. Slash probably. I'm living vicariously <laughs> through you and your Instagram pictures, oh, lady. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like it's so fabulous, but it gets real from time to time. So, but no, in all seriousness, so I'm living in Miami, Florida, and it has been such an incredible opportunity. Uh, The life here is so beautiful. The environment is beautiful. You get to have summer all year round, literally. You get to have the beach all the weekends you want, and just so much going on in the city and so much to see, so much to eat, explore, all of these things. And so as far as my professional life, I work for an architectural interior design studio here and we work on, yeah, sounds so we fancy. work on, it is, the studio is very fancy, yes, and I just feel super blessed and lucky to be here. Uh, so most of our work is luxury residential and then we do like restaurants and clubs and so forth. So it has been an incredible opportunity. And what exactly yeah. is your role like with the architectural firm? Like what, what, what are you doing? What does your day to day look like? Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's many, many things right now. Um, so I am a designer and, and uh, our studio actually started out in New York and my bosses moved here to uh, Miami about two years ago. So right now we have a smaller studio. So it gives me the opportunity to wear a lot of hats. So I go from designing to presentations to client meetings to on-site visits slash managing the project.
projects, the construction side, the electrical, you know, painters, anybody <laughs> that's there, you know, just depending on the project, yeah. what they need, how fast it needs to go. So, but once you wrap up a project, it's really rewarding. So, um, yeah, I've done different little stages here and there. I've been with the company for about uh, five months now, so it's still a learning curve, but it, it's an intense job, but it's a rewarding job. So, um, yeah. Man, I, I am so, so cool. proud of you. And I mean, mm -hmm. that's so cool. I know that's something that you dreamed of doing even when you were in college. You just kept talking about all these awesome firms that uh, get to do these these cool projects. And, and then I know even when we've been at home, you've got to show me some of the things you've rendered up and, um, and designed. And it's absolutely, it's, it's incredible. And I'm so proud. <laughs> Thank you so much. I can <laughs> totally you. echo that, that we're all just so, so proud of, proud of you, what you're doing. Cause we know, we know it's tough too. So but let's it's super tough. Okay. Okay. So we're going to do a little twist now. All right. So we're, we're going more so not what you're doing now, but well, where, cause, cause she's living the dream. She's right living now. the dream right now. Yeah. But more so where you came from. And a lot of, a lot of people that are listening right now, uh, they, they don't know you. They honestly, they don't even know us, but yeah. they, they don't know where you've come from and that you were adopted from Ukraine. And, and we would just like to hear a little bit about that and kind of where you came from, even before you were maybe were in the orphanage and just that whole story. Just, yeah, just your, your early child days, you know, prior to being adopted. We'll kind of go from there. Yeah, so uh, I was born in Ukraine in Dnepropetrovsk region, like a little town called uh, Yellow Water, Sholte Vode. And um, basically... Um, since we're starting from the beginning, I don't know if you uh, guys ever knew this, but after my mom gave birth to me and she left the hospital, she actually didn't take my documents with her. So for about six years, I was probably considered a stateless child because I didn't have mm. any documents. Wow. And. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, my grandmother, um, actually raised me and, um, you know, there was a time in our lives where, um, I actually went from like door to door as like a little six-year-old child, like, you know, and just asking either for food or like money or things like that. And the reason why I'm telling this is because there was a woman her name was Tatiana I still remember her to this day like clear as day um but she was so generous and somehow I came across her and she started just to take me in like give me food give me clothes and then gradually she met my grandmother and she was actually the one that worked on all of my legal documents to get my birth certificate to send me to school and things like that mm. so through her I actually I feel like my journey just started going the way it did you know because just that one act of kindness she didn't have to do it you know she already raised a son that was I think he was getting married actually around that time mm. uh, a big heart that she just you know poured that kindness into my life um so yeah and then um you know my grandmother the reason 
So my grandmother and my other family, they were actually living in a village a few hours away from Yellow Waters where I was born. And my mom, she she convinced my grandmother to move away from the rest of the family into Yellow Waters. Um, she said, you know, you and Karina come and I'll have all of these things for you all of these things and when we got there there was nothing there so we literally were kind of like little gypsies going from house to house mm. you know just staying for like random people and that's a there's a lot more to it but the point is is that it got to a point where you know i i started going to kindergarten and the teachers started realizing that like my grandmother couldn't properly take care of me um because of certain circumstances so eventually when I was like seven and a half um the government and the teachers in the school like made the decision to put me in the orphanage Mm. um I did not know that remembering I'm sure obviously you remember all of that and what was the feelings that you had going to the orphanage and leaving your grandmother yeah, so that was, uh, I was actually thinking about that today. Um, it was very interesting. I, in a sense, I was like really excited for the orphanage. And I think in my mind as like a little kid, I didn't understand necessarily what it's going to be, like what the life was going to be there, how I was going to be separated from like the only human that I knew that took care of me, you know? And I think like when I got there, it was like, oh, this is not what I was expecting. Because I was thinking I'm going to have all of these, like, friends and just, like, have summer camp. (laughs) Oh, it was not summer camp. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it was was a lot, you know, and I miss my grandmother a lot, I remember. Mm. Um, But, yeah, and then I just got used to it and life kept going. So so, I have have one question on that just because I've never heard that before. So what was that, like, the process? Was that happen overnight? Or was it, like, a, all right, you know, a slow transition into the orphanage? Or was it, like, yep, you're going and you're going tonight? Or oh, no, no. It was, no, it was, like, an overnight. It was, like, they tell you one day and then they sent me, like, the next day. Wow. Mm. And I don't necessarily, like, remember how my grandmother explained it to me. I wish I did. Uh, but I just, now that I look back at it, like, I think she put it in a way that kind of made me like excited in a sense, you know, and I knew she was doing that just because she wanted me to feel comfortable and, you know, she, well, you kind of led into the, the next thing I wanted to ask. And, um, I know a lot of people are, are interested in how was orphanage life? Like what, what was it like, especially overseas in Ukraine? What was it like? Yeah. So, um, it was like, almost like a camp, not those luxurious, beautiful, fun camps, but it was just like a camp for every single day. Like you're just living in a camp mode, basically. So you wake up at a certain time, you go brush your teeth, you have breakfast at a certain time, you have your chores afterwards, you know, whoever is cleaning up the kitchen after everyone. Then if it's school season, you get up and you go to school. I was actually the only girl there that went to a different school from everybody else because Mm. my teacher for the fact that, okay, we're going to keep her in the school, even though she's in the orphanage, you know, she wanted me 
to be close to her. And so, yeah, you go to school, then you come home from school. And my little rebel self, sometimes after school, I would like sneak away to hang out with my best friend and make up some excuse that I was like studying or something, you know, I got caught a few times, but you know, that didn't phase me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so no, and then you come back, you you eat, you have your homework hours. And usually you just sit in this big room with all the desks and everybody's doing their homework. And then you know, the caregivers, like the women that took care of us in um, different shifts that they had, they would help us with our homework or whatever um yeah and then you go eat dinner you do your little bath thing and then you go to sleep you know and, and lights out and you had a big girls room and then you had a big boys room and mm -hmm. we, it was all open room um and then you had different um like stages of um ages so it was like you had the little ones you had the middle ones and then you had the oldest group so you always went to the oldest group because they were all these cool girls <laughs> with like getting their and doing all hair you know um so yeah it was it was I don't know you go into it it's like you have a bunch of like sisters and brothers you know and from time to time it got messy and people would fight and you would have to like um and for yourself you know like all of these things but at the end of the day you just they were your comfort zone like those kids in that orphanage they mm -hmm. were your comfort zone and then during the summers you know um I remember we would go to one camp and we did that and then um one year we actually went to Krim, Crimea, and there was only a little handful of us that got selected and it was really cool. I think I was probably like eight years old. I still have pictures from that trip. And uh, it was my first time ever to like go somewhere else. It was like my first time to see something really beautiful, like the beach, you know, like the Black Sea, all the gardens, like mm -hmm. beautiful architecture. Things I've never seen in my life. I mean, you've been to Yellow Waters, yes. you know. <laughs> so you know, and so that was that was a, one of the best memories I have. Yeah, and you you know, on holidays you would put on these different programs and things like that for the city directors and whatever. And there's always something going on. So it was creative on one side. On the other side, it had its mm. own negative like that so it, that's yeah uh, uh, so how many kids were in the orphanage like how many boys and girls roughly so I can't tell you how many boys and girls like uh but I think there was when mom and dad came to adopt me um there was probably around 70 of us oh wow like, okay. all wow so it was, a, it was a big group yeah, yeah during that um and, you know, Ukraine, a little bit of history, like it separated from Soviet Union in 91 and I was born in 94. So the poverty level just shot up. So a lot of kids around my age ended up being in the orphanage mm. just because of family situations. Yeah. Got it. Hey, OK, a little side note. Um, And that is, can you real quickly, briefly tell people how much it meant to them? when you received like those little boxes from Christmas? Because I, I remember talking to you separately 
And um, and I don't think people here, even just in the states, realize how how big of an impact getting even that small shoebox of items for Christmas meant to you and all your friends in the orphanage. Can you just just real briefly quick talk about that? That was a good question. Yeah, because we don't ever see the other side of it. Right. You, know, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm doing this, but I don't know what ever comes from it. So yeah, like that. No, absolutely. So in my situation, what happened was I actually was going to a little small group before the orphanage that my grandmother like sent me. She's like, I'm going to send you to church, even though she didn't go. Mm-hmm. But I wanted me to be around that. So after I was put in the orphanage, that one year, one of the girls from the small group that kind of was like, you know, taking care of me, like spend time with me. She came to the orphanage and she had this um, box you know, like the Samaritan's purse, actually. And she had it for me. And I remember there was a family picture in it. And to this day, I wonder, like, I wish I would have still kept it. I don't know how it got lost. But basically, what I want to say about that is that you're, I was in a situation where like, I didn't have anything as a kid, like Mm -hmm. nothing. Not when I like, the clothes that I had in the orphanage, it was literally probably like a skirt, a pair of pants, and like two tops, my hairbrush and like some hair ties. That's, you know, so anytime we got a gift or anything, it was like so special and it was our little treasure. So getting a whole box of like all of these things from overseas that are so unique and so fun, but still like functional that you can use on a daily basis. And thinking that like somebody out there far, far away, the United States of America has taken the time to put it together, you know, and that they're like thinking of you, even though they don't know you. It was, it was huge. And it was like something that every one of us that got it, like treasured because mm. We didn't get gifts just to get gifts, you know? Yeah. And when when people go, you know, usually it's like this seasonal Christmas thing of like, oh, we're going to like put together a box. Like, I think what I want to encourage is to really think through that process and what you're doing, what you're putting in there and think of the child and like the impact you're going to have for them. Mm. When I left orphanage, that was the only like the things that I had my belongings I literally put in that little box I kid you not mom and dad will tell you that was all I had in that little box mm-hmm. and I took it with me wow and whatever else to me you know yeah so it's incredibly incredibly special and even though it's materialistic things like those children they don't have those things so when they get them it's it's huge wow yeah, I, sorry, I that was just word. a little side note, and no, I just wanted to that throw that question. in there because that a lot of people don't realize how big of an impact that small gift or gifts make, and I know you've experienced it firsthand, and um, that's just... Well, because when we do it, you know, like whether you sponsor a child or whatever it is, you don't ever see the child on the other end of it most of the time, right. so here... Hearing that, I kind of forgot we were doing a podcast right now. You just like, I was like, had tears Sucked coming in. down. I, I just was so like, yeah, that's just really moving. That's cool. Mm. Um, so you kind of yeah. tr- said that, or mentioned this a little bit. So like what, 
what was like what was it like when you met you know you kept saying your your parents coming to ukraine what was it like when you met your parents and, and family and can well, i put another yeah. question with it yes please what, what was it like when you met our parents but also on the fact did you ever see any other kids meet any other mm. um potential parents does that make sense and what, what, what were your feelings or uh, all the girls did you parents, think or like, all the girls oh i want that boys. to be me or oh gosh i'm so oh, i'm happy yeah. here so all of all it. sorts of questions answer <laughs> all of them karina <laughs> all of them i will answer all of them so, literally um this is a great question because there was only one girl prior to me who was adopted only mm. one out of a whole town and she went to spain and um we never heard from her we got one letter and that was it mm. that was like she you know and but i remember <laughs> i remember um one of the caregivers at the orphanage she like came to me and she was like hey karina like uh, the orphanage director wants to like see you in her office and i was like what did i do this time somebody <laughs> Like I was thinking, I was like, I don't, I know I did nothing this time, so and, I don't know why this is happening. And tell know? people how old you were. Yeah, so I was eleven years old. Mm -hmm. I was eleven years old. Um, and so you know, I go in there and I'm like terrified, just like mortified of what's about to come. And um, she's like, Hey, um, there's this American family that are interested in adopting you and meeting you and i i don't know i was like what is happening right now like i think i was just in such a shock because first of all we only had one girl that that's happened to like maybe a, two years ago you know like it wasn't like a fresh thing and i was just thinking like america i was like i am going to america I'm going to live my best life. That's how I was viewing it. And because, you know, during that time, actually, um, Ukraine and the United States had a really strong relationship. Mm -hmm. So George Bush was our hero, you know, like we just praised him. And so I don't know. I mean, I was a little girl. What was I supposed to think? You know, I didn't know anything. I was just stuck in this little bubble in those fence that you've seen, you know, mm -hmm. and I didn't know anything else, but yeah, I was like, and so she was like, would you be interested like in meeting them? And I was like, yes, of course. Like, you know, I was so excited. And um, yeah, and then I remember like mom and dad coming and um, I remember dad brought me like a rose and it was so sweet. And I remember just being like so shy, you know, I didn't speak any English. It was, um, everything was through the translator and I just and I remember like um you know because mom and dad smile a lot oh yes they and do and Ukraine Nathan if you remember nobody smiles or greets anybody like mm -hmm. that was not a thing you don't even you know? look at look like, in, how did in they the fit eyes in? you don't look in the <laughs> eyes you don't do any yeah I'm just no, thinking your parents no. are so smiley people like I don't even know how that they definitely did not fit in when they were there oh man gosh so i was thinking i was like these people are so weird why are they like smiling all the time <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the, on the funny side but in all seriousness i was 
you know, for me at the time, I was like very reserved in a sense, like I wasn't very sure of them. Like they seemed like very kind people, but I was like, you know, these are foreigners. Like, I don't know, like I have to get to know them and things like that. And, but all in all, I just remember like thinking like, this is gonna, this is a huge decision and like, Mm. I'm gonna have to make it, you know? Because at that age, it was up to me to say yes or no. Right. Uh, Like, I'm going to give you a little backstory on our side. So when mom and dad decided they wanted to adopt in Ukraine, uh, it was a long, a very long process uh, for them, uh, for our family. And mom and dad actually went over to Ukraine for months at a time. And... um, and during this time, uh, my brother and I were back here in the States. So they would, we would literally. Uh, and you were how old at the time? Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. I, Roughly. I was right around 18, I believe. Okay. 18 or 19. And Jordan was right under. So, um, so yeah, we, we, uh, we would be talking on the phone almost every other night or every night um, or trying to uh, FaceTime them and stuff and just so that we could pray together as a family and continue to step forward as a family on, you know, the adoption process, because it's such a crazy process going through, through that, um, to, to adopt now Karina as our, as our sister, but we didn't know that at the time. And then when they finally, um, when the, finally the government gave them that piece of paper, um, that showed Karina's picture and where she was from and all those things, Man, it was just, it was incredible. And I remember them saying they were so excited to go down to Jotevoidi to meet you. And I remember, I remember the day that they got to do that. I remember the day, the day before and the excitement, the nerves of both of them coming to see you. But um, I'll never forget the, the night after they got to meet (laughs) Um, he they got to meet hair, you for the first, yeah. <laughs> they got to meet you for the first time, and when they told us and how excited and how pure the the pure joy they had and how excited Jordan and I were, it was it was awesome. <laughs> um, and then I mean I know there's a whole other story that goes along with that. Um. And I know we're going to get to it as well, but um, how about we just, we're, we need yep. to wrap up this episode real yep. quick and then we're going to come back and yeah, uh, so we'll dive in on the next episode of... So no worries. You're going to hear more, <laughs> y'all. Just, yeah, stay tuned and we will rejoin Karina here as yeah. she tells us an amazing, amazing story of her journey from adoption to where she is now and just really the epitome of perseverance and hard work. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we will see you soon. Boomer out. Boomer out.